Good morning, everyone. Welcome to Ebenezer. We're so happy to have you with us this morning. Would you just stand with us as we worship together?
Thank you very much. Please be seated. It's good to see everyone here this morning. 
If you're our guest here at Ebenezer, welcome here. Hope you feel uh, right at home. I had a chance to meet a few of you, so it's always good to see you. I uh, just want you to know that um, if you want to get to know your church family and get to know some people here, and there are lots of people that are, are fairly new to Ebenezer that come to the second service. You know, if you just come a few minutes early, we have uh, cinnamon buns and coffee in our chapel, which is right across. If you can walk through that wall, you'd be right in that room. And it would be great for you to come and be part of that. And it's a great way to connect with other people in the family. So it's, it's good to be with you with the Christmas break this year falling on Sundays. It seems like we haven't been together for a while, so it's really nice to all be together again. Now, before I really get going, I, I want to dismiss the, the kids for Kids Church today. We're going to let you out just a bit early, so if you're here, the, the workers are ready for you, and you can just kind of sneak out as I'm, as I'm talking here. Uh, for those that are new to us, uh, my name is Layton, and I have the privilege of serving uh, on Ebenezer staff team as the lead pastor. And, and if you are new to us, um, there's, there's a couple things that I want you to know about us. Hopefully you're going to find us friendly. We, we love the Lord. We love to worship. We love to engage God. Uh, but another thing we, that's unique about us is that we, uh, we love to pick a book of the Bible and then, and then walk through it when we gather together on mornings like this. And the reason I'm saying that today is because we're going to return to our series that we started before Christmas, which we put on hold for the Christmas season in, in 1 Timothy. Now, since it's been over uh, a month since that last sermon in that series, I'm going to take just a few minutes this morning as I begin to, to quickly remind all of us uh, where we've been. And so if you're new, you can kind of be brought up to speed and everything. Okay, so uh, the book of 1 Timothy is a letter that is written uh, from the Apostle Paul, who is this, this older, wiser, and seasoned pastor and church planter, to, to a young man named Timothy, who is one of Paul's apprentices. And Timothy was pastoring a church in the city of Ephesus. And at that time, Ephesus was a very challenging and spiritually dark place. Now, the reason for uh, Paul's letter to Timothy, Paul states in 1 Timothy chapter 3, verses 14 and 15, and he says this, that so, that, so now how people ought to conduct, them, to know how people ought to conduct themselves in God's household, which is the church, the living God, and the pillar and foundation of the truth. The way we've described this experience is that so that people will know how stuff works in the church. Now, before Christmas, uh, we completed chapter 1. And in that chapter, Paul warns Timothy of this very clear and present danger that's facing the church in Ephesus. Uh, false teachers had infiltrated the church, and they were beginning to lead people away from the truth through the false doctrines that they were teaching. And so Paul then uh, spends the majority of chapter 1 exhorting Timothy to, first of all, to protect the church by confronting these false teachers and their teaching. Uh, second, uh, he, to actively engage in the spiritual battle around him, which is what it was. And he actually says uh, to, to Timothy, fight the good fight of faith. And then thirdly, for Timothy to be strong and unwavering in his own faith as he continues to preach the, the news, the good news of Jesus Christ and the truth of God's word. And so that brings us to the conclusion of chapter 1. And now as we begin this new year, we're going to pick it up and uh, pick up the series in chapter 2. Now, chapter 2, uh, Paul kind of changes gears here a bit. He, he, he introduces a new theme or topic, which is going to continue all the way to the end of chapter 3. 
And in these two chapters, Paul is going to move away from the strong warning against false teachers which dominated chapter 1. And now he's going to turn his attention inward towards the church to, to the believers who are part of the church in Ephesus. And he's going to speak some very specific, uh, into some very specific areas in the church, namely the areas of worship and how we conduct ourselves, and in the area of leadership, so how churches are led. And in particular, he's going to talk about the, the type of character and the type of behavior expected of those who belong to the family of God. Now, let me just give you a quick um, kind of flyover of these two chapters so you know what's coming. In chapter 2, verses 1 to 8, which is going to be our text this morning, uh, Paul issues a, a call to pray. And he's saying that the church must, that, that priority of the church must be prayer. And in particular... He's going to say that men are to lead the church in prayer and model a life of prayer on, on their own. Then in verses 9 through 15 of chapter 2, Paul is going to then speak to the role of women in the church. And we'll be looking at this passage in detail next week, but let me just throw out this little teaser. Okay? This, this passage is one of the most highly contested and controversial passages in Scripture, especially in light of the context in which we live. And so if, if you want to see what's coming and you want to pray for my protection from being cha having chairs thrown at me, then you just look ahead at these verses because uh, it's, going to be, it's going to be a good one. Okay, so make sure you're here next week. We're going to really tackle that. And then as we move into chapter 3, uh, Paul's going to address the area of spiritual leadership and the qualifications uh, necessary for those who are le leaders in the church. And that's actually a very timely topic for us at Ebenezer in light of our leadership transition that's going to be happening here. And specifically, we're going to look at two distinct leadership positions. Uh, the function and role of the church elder, which is in verse 1 to 7 of chapter 3, and then the function and role of the church deacon in verses 8 to 13. And then we're going to wrap up this section by considering all this means for the church. And then we're going to, as we look at the last few verses of chapter 3 and the first few verses of chapter 4. So that's what's coming up um, this next little while. And whether you realize it or not, we're, bless you, um, we're, whether you realize it or not, uh, we're going to be walking through a bit of a theological minefield over the next few weeks. And so it's going to be uh, intriguing, it's going to be invigorating, and it might, you know, and hopefully very uplifting as well. But thankfully, that, that minefield is not going to happen this morning. Uh, this morning, we're going to focus on the importance of prayer and the priority of prayer in the church. And just what great timing for us to, to have this sermon as we begin 2023. Now, if you've been, if you've been part of the Ebenezer family, you'll, you'll know that at least a couple times every year, we take a Sunday morning to, to actually pray together as a, as a church family. And so today is going to be one of those mornings, meaning that we're not going to just sit around and, and listen to a sermon on prayer today. We're actually going to spend some time praying personally and corporately as a church family. Now, before you run for the exits, if you're a guest here, uh, I want to assure you that we've crafted this service in a way that every person here regardless of whether it's your first time or your seasoned vet, regardless of whether you're comfortable praying or it scares you, regardless if you're new to faith or don't even have faith yet, we, we, have, uh, we have planned this service so you should be able to participate with ease and comfort. And at no point are we going to force you to do anything you don't want to do, including praying out loud. 
However, I do want to encourage you to, to enter into these prayer moments that we have, even if it's out of your comfort zone, even if it's going to be a brand new experience for you this morning, because, because uh, God delights when his people pray. And when God's people pray, uh, good things tend to happen. And so that's why we want to do that this morning. So with that introduction, if you have your Bibles with you, turn to 1 Timothy chapter 2, and we're going to look at verses 1 to 8. 1 Timothy chapter 2, verses 1 to 8. And feel free to pull them up on your device if you want to. Um, I'm going to, um, I have them also on the screen behind me, but it's always good for you to have your Bibles open. And I'm going to be reading this passage this morning from uh, the NIV version. But before I do that, let's just bow and pray and, and invite God to be part of our morning. So, Father, uh, we know that your word is true. But we also know that, that it's impossible for us to understand your words with our own human wisdom. We, we need your spirit to open our spiritual eyes so that we have understanding. We need your spirit to open our hearts so that we might respond in obedience. And we need your, your spirit to guide us so that we would walk these things out in our life. And so, Holy Spirit, we know that you promised to be with us. But I, I pray now that you would invade this space and that you would open our minds so that we might see clearly from your word. And I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. This is what it says in 1 Timothy chapter 2. I urge then, first of all, that petitions and prayers, intercession and thanksgiving be made for all people, for kings and all those in authority, that we may live peaceful and quiet lives in all godliness and holiness. This is good, and it pleases God our Savior who wants all people to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. For there is one God, and one mediator between God and mankind, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself as a ransom for all people. And this has now been witnessed to, to at a proper time. And for this purpose, I was appointed a herald, an apostle. I am not telling the truth. I am, I am telling the truth. I am not lying. And a true faithful and faithful teacher of the Gentiles. Therefore, in light of these things, I want men everywhere to pray, lifting up holy hands without anger or disputing. Okay, so let's, let's go back to verse 1 as we kind of walk our way through this passage. And I, I will say that you're going to see a few different teachers up here, so I'm going to, I'm going to kick off the sermon today with uh, looking at verse 1, and then Pastor Wes is going to come up and look at verse 2, and then Pastor Kel's going to come up and look at a few verses, and I'm going to come back up at the end and wrap up the whole, the whole sermon series. So, first of all, this is what it says. Um, actually, the first thing it says is, first of all, and, and when Paul says that, he's, he's not starting a list for us to, to be attentive to. He's not saying, you know, first of all, and then secondly or thirdly. This phrase is probably better translated, above all. And Paul is telling Timothy and all believers who read this letter, including us this morning, that the highest priority or the most important thing we as the people of God can do to have a powerful and strong faith and to be spiritually fruitful in our lives is to be people of prayer. And if we want to have a powerful testimony in the world and we want to live uh, godly lives in, in this ungodly culture, we need to make prayer the highest priority. Now, I know you've heard that before. And you've probably been told that before. But why is that? Well, it's very simply, it's, it's because we need prayer. Or at least I do. 
And as I've been thinking over my life over the years, and I've been a believer for many, many years, I've had a, a, a strong, rich Christian heritage and a strong faith most of my life. But even so, I know that even though my deepest desire is to please the Lord and to honor Him with my life, my actions don't always match my desires. Maybe that's like you. I know, um, both intuitively and from what other people have told about me, that I'm a flawed person. Or as the Bible describes, I know that my flesh is corrupted by sin, which means that the darkness and temptation are never far from me or far from you. And I've come to realize that, that whenever I, I stop praying or fail to pray or pray less, my, my flesh and its desires are more likely to rise up within me and even take over me at times, which ultimately damages my witness and my testimony. And that's something I don't want to do. So if we want to be fruitful and powerful and ministry, ministers of the Lord, we need to become people of prayer. Now, if we want to live godly lives that are exemplary in this world, we need to become a person of prayer. Now, this last season, I've been working my way through my own personal Bible reading and devotions. I've been reading through the Gospels. And, you know, different things kind of jumped out at me. Uh, over Christmas season, it was, I was caught up by the miracles around the Christmas season. As I was thinking about today's sermon and reading the, the Gospels, it, it just always is amaz amazes me how much prior, how the priority that Jesus Christ himself puts on prayer. You know, how many times do we read of him getting up early in the morning to pray? Or how many times do we read about him going out, uh, away to an isolated place, a solitary place, or desert place to pray? In fact, several times the disciples came looking for him, but they couldn't find him because he was off praying. Sometimes all night long, especially if there's a big decision ahead of him. And what we see um, in the disciples' lives is, is that Jesus modeled something so intimate with the Father and so powerful in this ministry that the disciples wanted to learn how to pray. Now, even just think about that for a second. The, the disciples had spent three years with Jesus. And, and during that time, they saw him perform these incredible miracles. They saw him calm storms at sea. They saw him walk on water. They saw him heal the lame and give sight to the blind and, and raise the dead and cast out demons. But of all these things they saw him do, not once did they ask, did he, they ask Jesus how to do it. The only time in the Bible where the disciples asked Jesus to teach them how to do something was in Luke 11. And that's where they asked him, Lord, teach us how to pray. So Paul says, uh, first of all, or, or above all, we need to be people of prayer. Then next, um, you see in the verse, he uses uh, four words to describe the ways in which we are to pray. And the words are uh, both petitions, prayers, intercession, and thanksgiving. Now, the, the focus, excuse me here, the focus is not uh, so much on different types of prayer, the way we pray, but it's, it's more about the, the beauty and the scope of prayer. Each word has its own emphasis, but they help us understand how deep and multifaceted uh, our prayer lives can be. But having said that, I, I do want to look at these words very quickly because they give us an indication of what our prayers can look like. So the first word is petitions. Uh, some of your Bibles might say supplications or simply the word request. And this refers to approaching God with our personal needs, that we can go to Him whenever we have something that's concerning us and He's listening. So that means that we, we can call to Him when we're, when we're sick, we can call out to Him when we're feeling anxious or overwhelmed in life. We can call out to Him when we are hurting 
or when we feel lonely or when we feel confused. You know, the reality is that God knows us intimately, meaning He already knows our needs. But going to Him in prayer, we acknowledge that He is the one and the only one who can actually meet and satisfy our needs. And so the, the, the call on this is that we as the people of God should, should freely go to God without hesitation when any time we have a need because God cares about us and He cares to listen to us and to respond to us. So we, we pray requests and, and petitions. The next word is prayers. This is a really a generic term referring to our devotion and reverence as we approach the Lord in prayer. And, and essentially what we're saying is that when we pray, we are acknowledging Him as Lord, and that brings Him glory. So anytime that I bow my head in prayer and recognize who He is and, and bring Him glory, I'm actually worshiping Him. So that's that aspect of prayer. The third word we see is the word intercession. And this word carries with it the idea of approaching the throne room of God boldly and confidently as we bring the needs of others to our Heavenly Father. So that means that, that when you pray for a friend who is in need, we're interceding. When you pray for a child who is hurting or struggling, we're interceding for them. When we bring a challenging situation before the Lord, like for example, praying for the people of Ukraine who have been displaced by war, or um, praying for, uh, in our church family, we've had uh, over the, the Christmas season, we had a young family that, that went to Fiji and their young 10-year-old son, Malachi Luma, was, was incredibly and gravely ill. And so, so our church family kind of united our hearts and we interceded on his behalf. And, and the, the reality is, is, that, is that God is listening to those requests. And in fact, so much so that when we don't know what to say or the words that we're saying are all confused and we're not sure if we can pray properly because we don't know the right words to pray, it says in the Bible that the Holy Spirit intercedes for us. You know, it, it's like, it's a beautiful picture. It's like when I pray to God and, and, then, and then the Holy Spirit's there and, and he says to God, um, now what Leighton was really trying to say is, and then he, he, he interprets that. So, so even if you're not a, a, a seasoned prayer, even if you just kind of muster some words, somehow God understands your heart and God takes those things and he intercedes for us. So even as we're interceding for others, the Holy Spirit's interceding for us. And this is what it says in Romans 8, that passage. The Spirit understands our weakness so we don't know, so that, so we don't, so that when we don't know how to pray as we should, the Holy Spirit uh, intercedes with us with groanings too deep for words. And so that's a beautiful thing for us. And so we, we have petitions, we have prayers, we have intercessions. And the last one is thanksgiving. Now hopefully this doesn't need a lot of explanation because we know what it means to be thankful, but it reminds us to always approach our Heavenly Father with thankful hearts and to remember that, that every good and perfect gift ultimately comes from the Father in Heaven, the Father of lights. Now, the final part of this verse talks about who we should pray for. And so we're saying all types of prayer for all people, meaning uh, not just for ourselves or for those we love. You know, we're great for praying self-directed prayers. God, help me, give me, I need. You know, uh, it's all about us in how we pray. Or to pray for those that we love, you know, dearly. But it's for all people. 
And it's, and it's not just for the things we want, because sometimes our, our lists are for the things in our life that we need, like help me to get a good grade, help me to get a new car, help me to get a new job. But not just for things, but for, for people. And for people everywhere, from all nations, from all walks of life, from all places of circumstances. So that means the person here in this church who you love and know and who smells good, you pray for, is, is no different than the person you meet on the street who is homeless and, and hasn't had a shower for a while. Everyone has value in God's eyes, and God says we pray for all people in every circumstance for every reason. So with, with that introduction in verse 1, and before Pastor West comes up and leads us into verse 2, what I want to do is I want to model this prayer. And so would you uh, bow your heads with me as I pray on behalf of us all. And as I'm praying, you know, feel free to pray for some of the things that come to your mind as well. So let's pray. So Heavenly Father, you are the one and only true God. God, we know that you are holy, and we know that you are mighty, and we know that you are the one who is faithful and true. God, uh, you created the heavens and the earth by the great power of your outstretched hand. And in that display of power, and the same power that you raised Christ from the dead, that we realize that there's nothing too difficult for you. So that as we come to pray, we know that you hear us and you can respond. Father, you're the God of compassion, meaning you see us and you know our needs. And even now, you bend an ear to listen to our prayers. So thank you for that. Today, I want to pray for all those who have been displaced by the unprovoked and unjust war in Ukraine. Will you protect those that are still in the country and provide for those that have had to flee from the country to other places? May those that have arrived in Saskatoon find a home here and friends here. And I not only pray for them, but I pray for others around the world who are persecuted for their faith or attacked or abused by evil rulers. God, I pray for the sick. I pray for little Malachi Luma, that you would continue to be gracious to him and that you would heal his body and restore him. I pray that you would give him the strength he needs so that he can return home and get the care he needs. I pray for our dear friend Janelle Getz, who's with us this morning, that you would do a miracle in her life and that you would stop the cancer from growing and spreading inside of her. I pray for all those in our family who are struggling with other illnesses and health concerns some that we know of, some that we don't, that you would be the God of healing in their life. And then, God, I pray for our church, Ebenezer, that you would guide us in our search for new leadership. Show us the, the people you want and unify us in this journey. God, we love you because you hear and answer our prayer. And so we pray with confidence in these things. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, I'm going to continue to lead us through our passage this morning, specifically looking at 1 Timothy uh, chapter 2, verse 2, where Paul writes this, that we should pray for kings and all those in authority, that we may live peaceful and quiet lives in all godliness and holiness. 
As Pastor Layton has just shared, the call for all of us as the people of God is to be a praying people, consistently lifting up our prayers for all people, verse 1 says. But now Paul gets a little bit more specific. In verse 2, he writes that we should be praying both for kings, uh, which is specific, and for all of those who are in authority, which is a little bit more broader. And I want to briefly touch on each of those. Firstly, for kings. Now, obviously, we do not live under a king here in Canada, but praying regularly for government leaders on a local level, on a provincial, and on a federal level is a very good and important thing to do. But let's remember the context that Paul is writing this letter to Timothy in. It's estimated that this letter would have been written in roughly 60 or the mid-60s AD. And at this time, this is under the Emperor Nero, who, if you're familiar at all with your church history, you will know that Nero was no friend to the Christian church. He was ruthless towards anyone who would not swear allegiance to Rome and would, who would not bow their knee towards him as Lord. And many of the first Christians ended up paying dearly for this in their lives. But notice that Paul does not call for followers of Jesus to overthrow the government or to oppose them, however corrupt or however wrong they may be. Instead, he calls us as followers of Jesus to pray to the one true God and to pray for those who are in positions of power. We pray for those who are in positions of great authority, whether it's locally or nationally or beyond that, when we do that, we make a bold statement that there is actually one more powerful than they are, that they will one day have to give an account to. And so whether you agree with our elected officials or not, prayer is a powerful way of loving those people, even if we disagree with them. We are not called to simply love the people who we agree with. We are called to bless those who would harm us. We are called to be kind and pray for those who would even seek to persecute us. It's my conviction that if we prayed for our elected officials half as much as we complained about them, perhaps we would see significant change. But I will leave my conviction for you to chew on. The second area Paul calls us to pray for is for all of those who are in authority. So he doesn't have just the government in mind here, but anyone who occupies a position of authority over us. This could be an employer or a supervisor if you work for someone, a teacher if you are in school, a coach if you're involved in, on a team, or a parent if you're under their care and supervision. Whatever that might look like, we are called to pray for all of those who are in authority. And so that is what we are going to do right now. Behind me on the screen, there will be three particular areas that I want to encourage you to pray into in regards to those who are in authority. Firstly, I want to encourage us to pray for the salvation for those who are in authority. 
Perhaps you would like to pray for our government, be it locally or nationally. Let's pray for our leaders that they would come to know and experience the love and the saving work of Jesus for themselves. Or if you would like and prefer, maybe there's an authority figure in your life who you know doesn't yet know Jesus. Maybe it's a boss or a coworker or a, a coach, whatever that might look like. Let's pray for their salvation, that they would come to know the saving love of Jesus in a personal and in a profound way. Secondly, let's pray for wisdom and for godly influences in their lives as they make decisions. You know, in, the, in any role of leadership, you are often faced with lose-lose scenarios, it seems like. It's, it doesn't matter what decision you make, you're going to make somebody unhappy. And lots of times as leaders, those are just decisions you have to make weekly or daily. And so day by day, leaders are faced with tough, tough decisions. We need to pray that God will give them wisdom, that he will bring godly influences into these people's lives as they make these tough decisions. And thirdly, we need to pray and entrust ourselves to God's loving and sovereign care over our lives. For many of us, I think it's easy to feel like the world can be spinning out of control sometimes. Do you feel that? The unrest and the difficulty that these last few years has caused has caused many of us to feel anxious and to feel unsettled. And when we're anxious and we're fearful, coupled with leadership failures or disappointments, it's easy for us to take control. It's easy for us to forget that God is actually in charge and that he's working all things together for good. Psalm 46, verse 1 and 2 say this, God is our refuge and our strength, an ever-present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear though the earth give way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea. If you are here this morning and you are feeling deeply fearful, deeply anxious, maybe cynical or pessimistic about the state of the world, I want to encourage you to again entrust yourself, entrust your heart into God's loving, sovereign care over you. And so with that, we are going to pray. Now, if you feel comfortable with the people around you, I would like to encourage you to pray with them right now. You could pray for elected officials, you could pray for leaders in your lives, and you can use these prayer points. If you feel inclined and if you feel comfortable, I want to encourage you. You can turn to the people beside you and just take a few minutes. Let's pray for some of those leaders. Now, if you don't feel comfortable with that, or if you don't know the person beside you, and that's maybe a little bit too big of a step, then I just encourage you, you can pray quietly to, to God yourself and just reflect on leadership in your life and pray into these specific areas. After a bit, our worship team, they'll, clo they'll close off our time by leading us in our next song. But I just want to encourage you, let's step into this time of prayer and pray for those in authority over us.
Paul continues in 1 Timothy 2, verses 3 to the first part of verse 6, saying this. He said, This is good and pleases God our Savior, who wants all people to be saved and to come to a knowledge of the truth. For there is one God and one mediator between God and mankind, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself as a ransom for all people. So after Paul kind of gives this introduction to pray for all people, and then now he kind of uh, specifies kings and those in authority, kind of returns to this theme to pray for all people. And right away, Paul says, this is good and pleases God our Savior. Did you hear that? It is good and it pleases God when we pray for the salvation of others. But why? Well, Paul continues. He says, God wants all people to be saved and come to a knowledge of truth. Now, I wonder if it isn't good for us to just pause for a moment and really consider the profundity of that statement. God, in his overarching plan to redeem and to reconcile all creation, longs specifically that every person is saved. Every person. God 
Almighty God, the maker of all things, the sustainer of all things, the one who is sovereign all things, created human beings, each and every one of us, in his image. And he longs for, I repeat, he longs that each of us is saved and be in right relationship with him. It simply reveals to us that God's heart is, is for all people. Now, when we pray for the salvation of all people, as Paul exhorts us to here, we're actually not just saying words in that effect. I think when we engage in prayer for all people, we're doing three things, and three things that are essential for those of us here who consider ourselves to be Christ followers or disciples of Jesus. You see, first, when we pray for all people, we're actually aligning our heart with God's heart. You remember King David? In the Old Testament, well, he was praised because he was a man after, what, God's own heart. His desire was to align his heart with the heart of God. And Matthew 9, in describing the heart of Jesus, when Jesus looked upon the people, it says this, when he, when Jesus saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. And so when we pray for all people to come to a saving knowledge of, of God through Jesus Christ, we're simply aligning our hearts with the heart of God. Second, when we pray for all people, we're aligning our lives with the mission of God. You see, God's unfolding plan right from the moment sin entered the world through the disobedience of Adam and Eve was to, restore, was to restore and to reconcile all things back to him. And he initiated a plan of which he invites each of us to be a part of. It's so important for us to grasp this idea that we are part of something bigger or we have the opportunity to be a part of something bigger other than just what you might be wanting to do with your life. But we can engage in the mission and the plan of God. And Jesus' final command to his disciples and to us before he physically departed the earth, the thing that he wanted his disciples and he wanted us to be solely focused on was simply to make disciples of all nations and to teach them to continue doing the same. I can't remember who said this, um, but it's, so it's not exactly a quote, but, but the essence of the message he was trying to communicate was this, is if Christians or those who consider themselves to be, uh, to be Christians, if they're not sharing the good news of the gospel with others, both in word and deed, then you either don't love God enough to obey him, or you don't love people enough to want to share with them. Did you hear that? If we're not sharing the good news of Jesus Christ, then we either don't love God enough to obey him, or we don't love people enough to share with them. So we're aligning our lives with the mission of God. And third, when we pray for all people, we're aligning our minds with the truth of God. You see, Paul goes on in his letter to Timothy to say, for there is one God and one mediator between God and mankind, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself as a ransom for all people. You see, we live in a pluralistic world, a world that believes whatever you, that you can believe whatever you want to believe, and that all beliefs are just as valid as another, they're just as true as another. Every culture and every race has its own religious system and own religious beliefs. And you may be feeling that way here in this room or for those who are listening online. And, and, and while it's true, we certainly have the freedom to believe whatever we want, there still exists something called truth when it comes to our relationship with God and there, in that case, there's only one truth, that Jesus is the only way, the only truth, 
and the only life, and that no one, no one comes to God the Father except through him. Jesus is the only one who can stand in the gap between us and God, and it is only through him and through his completed work on the cross that we can be made right with God. Think about this for a moment, especially if you're either in the room or, or you're listening online and you're not quite sure yet where you are in your faith journey or you're not sure where you're at in your relationship with God or maybe you're kind of drawn into this idea that maybe there's multiple ways or multiple things we can believe to be made by God. Think about this for a moment. Why? Why would God make the ultimate sacrifice of giving up his one and only son? Why would God allow him to suffer and die if that was only one way of many to God? Why would Jesus leave his glory in heaven, everything he had as part of the Godhead, why would Jesus come to earth and be born as a human baby? Why would Jesus live and struggle as a man? Why would Jesus suffer rejection even by, uh, by those who were close to him? Why would Jesus suffer unimaginable physical punishment and torture? Why would Jesus suffer the rejection of his very own father? Why would Jesus go through all of that if his death only provided one way to God? He did it because he knew it was the only way to God. And he did it for each and every one of us. And that's the truth that we need to know. And that's the truth we're called to share with others. So how, how do we pray then? Well, I, it, Paul tells Timothy we need to pray for all people. But, but sometimes I think that gets a little bit lost. Because, you know, we can just pray for all people. And, and, and we're not, I think that's what God wants us to do. But I think God has a way to help us do that. And that's by praying for the people you know in your life. But I think it begins with this. As I read this section, my conviction was drawn to the fact that I think in order for us to effectively pray this prayer, we actually need to be praying for ourselves first. Charles Spurgeon recalls a time he heard a speaker say, in a, I think in a missions conference, or uh, I'm not sure exactly sure the context, but he heard a, a speaker say this. He said, the great question is not, will the heathen be saved if we do not send them the gospel? But the question is, are we saved ourselves if we do not send them the gospel? The salvation of others begins with each and every disciple of Jesus Christ. And we need to pray that God would transform our hearts, our minds, and our lives to align with his. And then we need to be listening to God and asking God, who has he placed in our lives that we need to be intentional about sharing the truth of Jesus Christ with? So let's take a few moments just to simply do that. And here's how we can proceed, I think. First, if again, you're not, if you're here this morning, if you're listening and you're not sure where you're at, then I would simply say, pray a prayer that God would reveal to you the truth. And I think if we pray that with, with earnest and honest hearts, I believe God will reveal to you truth. But if we, if we do consider ourselves Christ followers, then here's how we can do that. First. I would ask you to take just a moment of quiet reflection to pray to yourself and ask that God would begin to or continue to align your heart and your mind and your life to his. That you would be fully committed in this process of disciple making or this call to disciple making is probably a better way to put it. And then I would like you to take just a minute of silent listening prayer and ask God who in my life have you placed me with that needs to know the truth of who you are? 
And then this is what I'd ask you to do. If you're together and you're sitting with a family or a close friend or you're with a group of friends, turn and, and share with that person who has God put on your heart and on your mind. And I wouldn't be surprised if a group of friends or maybe a family, God is putting the same names on your heart. And then take a moment to either, again, pray quietly or pray as a group. God, where are the opportunities? Help me to see the opportunities that you've already given me in order for me to live and to share the good news with them so that they too can come to a saving knowledge of who you are. Okay, so just a moment of prayer, personal prayer to ask God to align your lives. A little bit of listening prayer. God, who have you placed on my heart? Share that with others around you, especially if you're kind of in the same friend or family circle. And then spend a few moments just to pray for those people. Take a few moments to do that.
Thank you. Please be seated. I'm going to invite Clive Whelan to join me up on stage here. Um, we are really blessed today to have a baptism, and, and Clive is going to be baptized uh, today. Um, it's always our joy to see what's happening in people's lives, and this is really kind of the, 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 the joy of the church is to see uh, people declare their faith in front of us. And so um, I always tell these guys that uh, you're, their, you're his cheerleaders today, not his critics, and that you uh, are going to rejoice with him in this. But I just want to pray for him. I've already seen the testimony in the first service on the screen, so I know what's coming. It's good, and I, I'm confident with, with Clive. So let's pray. So, Father, thank you for Clive. And may your hand of peace and power and anointing be upon him as, as he shares his testimony today. And may you use his testimony to speak to lives that are here right in this room, that we might know you and love you and follow you. So guide him, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so like Leighton said, my name is Clive Whalen. I am part of Ebenezer Youth, and I am a, a, in the Leaders in Training program here at Ebenezer. And as my good friend David said in his testimony a month ago, I can confirm that Holy Cross is the best high school. <laughs> Tonight, I'll be uh, sorry, this morning, I'll be telling you my story and journey through faith. I've been attending here at Ebenezer since birth, and I'm happy to call Ebenezer my church family. At the age of five, I led Jesus into my heart, um, it was late at night, and I was with my mom as she guided me through accepting him. After that, I only really followed Jesus because it's what my parents did. For me, it wasn't until I was about 12 that I began to fully understand what following Jesus meant. As I explored the meaning of being a Christian, I found more and more ways to grow my faith. As I grew older, I began asking questions. Some were answered right away, and others I'm still trying to figure out. There have been many people who have helped me throughout my life in exploring and growing in my faith journey. Luke Fair, one of my life group, life group leaders at youth, has encouraged me and pointed me down the right path in my life, from answering questions I had about God to just being a positive role model to be around. He has never shied away from being there and being someone I look up to. I look to him for guidance and advice, and he's always there to, to deliver. In grades 8 through 9, I went through some hardships in my faith. I began questioning my faith a lot more as more and more questions arose and made me wonder if there was a God to begin with. Throughout this time, it frightened me to think of what life would be, what life would be like without God, so I began to suppress the questions I had. This was not a very healthy lifestyle as burying the questions I had began to reflect on how I acted. I was more irritable and found more weight and was not fun to be around to be in general. Finally, after a couple of months, some of my closest friends com confronted me on how I've been acting, and they told me that I need to change. I reflected on this immediately and did start the change. I began looking to others for guidance and began voicing my concerns to one of my very close friends and, at the time, youth leader, Matthias. He helped me through troubling times and gave me security in my faith. Like Luke, he is also someone I can heavily relate to and has become a very personal has become a very important person in my life. For me, Isaiah 6, 8 has acted like a calling in my own life. It says, And I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send, and who will go for us? Then I said, Here I am, send me. More recently, uh, uh, I've seen that my faith in living through God has po positively impacted others around me. Friends have come to me looking for spiritual advice, and others have questioned 
and others have asked me questions about my faith. And overall, the passage I had previously read, like I said, acted as a calling for me to show others that I am there to serve them in being a servant of the Lord and being someone for them to lean on. In other words, I am ready for God to send me. Today, I am showing the world that I am God's messenger by, letting, by getting baptized and proclaiming my faith publicly. Thank you for listening. Well, Clive, first of all, I just want to say that I'm happy that you chose Jesus. And it seems crazy to me that I remember when you were born, but I am that old now. Uh, and, and I also want to just say thank you for the, the impact of your decisions to follow Jesus that it has had on many people's kids. Because you're an example to them. So thank you for the choices that you make. So according to your testimony, you've received Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior today? Yes. And that's your own decision? Yes. Then according to Jesus Christ, who's the head of the church, we now baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Turn my notes the right way. <laughs> that's that's helpful. Um, listen, I love to have uh, people share their faith like that, and I love the stories and I love the baptisms, and it's so interesting and, and uh, encouraging to see how people have come to faith and how God is using them. And, and honestly, um, even you need to understand from what I'm going to say next. Clive and I never got together and planned what I'm going to say, and so we didn't. Uh, you know, correlate our testimonies in the sermon, but, but his, his testimony is actually the illustration of my last and final point today. First uh, Timothy 2, 7, Paul speaking, he says, for this purpose I was appointed a herald or a preacher and an apostle. In other words, what, what uh, Paul is saying here to, to Timothy is that, is that this preaching of the good news this is my calling. And for Paul, remember, he was, it was incredibly difficult times. He was an incredibly busy person. Uh, lots of issues were facing the church. He had many responsibilities, but he doesn't get distracted or lose sight of the main thing. And the main thing for him is to be a herald and a preacher and apostle, a missionary to non-Jews to proclaim and teach the truth about Jesus to those who do not know him. And our calling as Christians is to walk in obedience to the Word of God, proclaiming the incarnating love of Jesus Christ. We need to be like Isaiah in the Old Testament and like Clive in the present and say to God, Here am I, send me. 
And, and this really is our, our calling for all followers of Jesus. And if we ever let life or troubles or busyness or sports or work or relationships or any other distraction keep us from sharing the good news about Jesus to a world that is broken and lost, then we've, uh, we've lost or forsaken our calling. Now, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, Paul kind of summarizes uh, what this calling looked like when he began. And he's speaking to, to the people in Corinth, the church in Corinth. And this is what he says to them. And just think of yourself in this, for those of you who, who are uncertain whether you can share your faith with power and authority and clarity. This is Paul the Apostle. When I came to you, I did not come with eloquence or human wisdom as I proclaimed to you the testimony about God. For I resolved to know nothing while I was with you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. I came to you in weakness and with great fear and trembling. My message and my preaching were not with wise word or persuasive words, but with a demonstration of the Spirit's power, so that your faith might not rest on human wisdom, wisdom but on God's power. So even as you go out to your friends and you mumble your way through your faith story and you tell them about the love of Jesus Christ, somehow God's going to use that to, to speak to their lives. And you want them to point to Jesus, not to you, for the reason that they, they became a Christian. You know, God wants us to be His ambassadors. He wants us to tell the world about His Son, Jesus Christ. He wants us to help rescue and liberate those who are held captive by the God of this world who is Satan. And this is our mission, and this is our calling as believers. And then in the end, the very last verse that He says, and I'm only going to just briefly touch on this and we'll pick it up next week. But He, he actually then speaks directly to men. At the beginning of this passage, he says, I pray for all men, all, that all men was all of humankind. But in this last verse, he's not speaking to humankind, he's speaking to males that are here. And he, and he simply says this, he issues a challenge to them. And he says, I want you men to uh, lift up holy hands in prayer. In other words, I want you men to take the lead in this. And so often in the church, it's been the women who have taken the lead on these things. But he's saying, I want you men to take the lead in this, and I want you to set the example in your life beyond what we see in the church. And if you were here last week, Pastor Will spoke about, um, you know, spoke on Deuteronomy 6 and about kind of the state of the youth. And one of the things that, that helped youth live out their faith was to have that faith modeled by those above them, their parents or other people significant in their lives. And so there's something in here for us men, and we're going to explore this a little bit more deeply next week, but, but God's saying to us, we need to take the, chart, take the lead, and we need to model this in our lives. Now, what I want to do to close off the service is, is actually invite you to stand, so if you would, please. And... and um, I have a prayer. I, I, I told you that we weren't going to get you to pray out loud, but I, I kind of lied, not because I intended to. I forgot. We're going to do a prayer in unison right now. And, uh, but here's the deal. Um, if you're a believer, and, so, and, and you want to, to honor God with your life, this might be a prayer that you want to pray out loud. If you're still searching, maybe you can just kind of sit back and listen to other people around you pray. But, it, but it's a prayer kind of reaffirming our calling 
and reaffirming our gifting and reaffirming our mission to, to reach the world. And so we want to close off today's service by praying this together. So we'll pray this in unison. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you have sought and found us. By your grace, you have saved and redeemed us. We rejoice that we are your spiritual children. We know that in the same way you sent your Son into the world, you are now sending us. We are your ambassadors and partners in your kingdom work on earth. Fill us with your Spirit. Help us recognize the gifts that you have given us. Keep our hearts, eyes, and ears open so that daily we will respond to your call with courage and humility. By your power and grace, help us to be agents of healing in this world, bearers of truth in this world, and messengers of hope for all the world. Thank you for saving me. Thank you for calling me. Here am I, send me. And we pray these things in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Well, I, ho I hope that is the, the desire of your heart, because that's a prayer that God wants to honor. Now, we're, we're doing things a little bit different today, as you're going to see. Maybe just take a seat very quickly. Um, I'm going to ask the ushers to come forward right now, and we're going to take up the offering. Our, our option was to do that after the first song. It's like, hi, welcome here. Here's the offering plate, or to do it now. So we, we chose to do it now. And so if you're a regular family member and you want to um, uh, help out with that, that's fantastic. If you're a guest here, feel no obligation. As the ushers are coming, I just want to make a couple of uh, quick announcements. Um, first of all, I want to remind you again that we do have a coffee time that happens in between services. And so that, uh, if you want to come early, that would be great. And then also, um, I want you to know that, that next week we have, we have our night of worship service. It happens on Sunday evenings right here in this room. And it's a great time of worshiping. It feels very different than a Sunday morning, but we want to invite you out to that. Uh, it's always a great time. And then I also want to, remind, to let you know that we have something coming up called, called Break Free. Uh, Break Free is, is a seminar or retreat that happens, um, it's going to happen at the end of the month on, on the 27th of January and the 28th, Friday night at 7 p.m. and on, and on Sunday or Saturday 9 or 8 to 5 o'clock. If you're feeling, for whatever reason, kind of stuck in your faith, if, if you're feeling that you can't break free of some things in your life, whether those are sin things or attitude things or, or hurtful things that, that are, are, are just holding you back, this is a seminar retreat for you, and we encourage you to come out to that. There's information on our website about this, and we'd love uh, for that to happen. Now, we're going to close our, our service with one last song, and, and as we sing, uh, if you're a part of our Ebenezer family, we, you know that, that we always have a ministry prayer time at the end of the service, and so even this morning, even though we spent time praying together, we're going to have leaders at, at the front, and they're willing to pray for you. If you want to have, any, have anything prayed for, we're happy to do that, or uh, you can just turn to the people around you. And if you know there's a need in their life, feel free to stop singing and just turn to them and pray. So once the offering plate goes past you, if you want to stand and we'll sing the last song together.
name for the benediction. Uh, Father, we do pray that we would become more aware of your presence, not only in this place, but in our life every day. And God, may we experience more of your power in our life. And so we thank you for that. And now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all we can ask or think, according to the power at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. And all God's people said, Amen. Thank you for being with us today. Uh, enjoy the company people as, as you're dismissed.